Hey everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Alternate Oscars. I am your one and only host, Gabe Warren, and with every episode, I, along with the guest, will be celebrating and rewarding our favorite films of each year starting in 1928 and going onwards. We'll discuss our brief thoughts on each film we nominate and comment on the actual Oscar year and some fun details on the ceremony. A few rules we always follow. We'll be strictly um, following the reminder list of eligible releases. Those can be found on the website and the Oscar goes too. Thematic categories will also go over time as this sort of tie into the category's evolution over time. My guest today is going to be Drew Joinier. Hey Drew, welcome to this podcast. Thanks Gabe, I appreciate it. It's been a long time. I know you and I have been talking online for a long time, being yeah. both big Oscar, Oscar completists, so I'm glad we were able to do this. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, so um, how are you doing today? First off, how has your day been? It's been really good. I'm busy work week for me. Um, house full of people doing stuff, but otherwise things are good. Um, I it's been this, this was a fun catch up project and to fill some holes in my viewing that I hadn't seen. So it's been fun all the way around. That sounds nice. So um, mm-hmm. today we're going to be talking about the films of 1946, and I think a good place to start would be to ask, what were your favorite films of this year that were not eligible? This can be any film that was released in 1946, but was not on the reminder list of eligible releases for some year. Yeah, for me, it's two. Um, it's two pretty easy ones. One is Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast, which I think ultimately is available in 48, and the other is Powell and Pressburger's A Matter of Life and Death or Stairway to Heaven, um, depending on what title you know it by um it does eventually get released in 47 for oscar eligibility but it is both are just two of my favorite movies and certainly would be well represented in a lot of the tech categories particularly so that was um that was one that i am sad is just not eligible um two that are just sad that are not eligible but two of my favorites for sure yeah those are both great movies and i would personally like to mention david lean's great expectations Absolutely. which was uh, a Best Picture nominee the following year. Mm-hmm. But it's a really good adaptation of Chris, uh, Charles Dickens' novel, even though apparently, um, I'm gonna, I might not be right about, about this, but apparently they cut out large sections of the novel. They do. It's it's a really tight adaptation, um, but I, I agree with you. It's a really good one just in terms of how it's a really good one in terms of really getting down to, I think, what the story's about and really getting getting into the sort of more core characters. Um, it'll never, I mean, most movie adaptations can never sort of get the breadth of what uh, what a Dickens, what Dickens is. This is just so many characters and so big. And I think, you know, as we saw in something like the personal history of David Copperfield last year, which I liked, but certainly suffered from that problem. There's just so many people to try to cover, but yeah, um, lean's expectations is really tight and beautiful looking. I love the, I love the art direction in that movie. Yeah. It's a beautiful movie. So with all that said, it's now time to jump into our nominees. As usual, we start with the last category, special effects, and then with the first best picture, and we take turns announcing our nominees, and I guess goes first, as usual. So would you like to take it away, Drew? Absolutely. For Best Special Effects 1946, I had nominated Blythe Spirit, Tom Howard, The Dark Mirror, Jay Devereaux, and Paul Lerpay. I Know Where I'm Going, Henry Harris, It's a Wonderful Life, Russell A. Cully, and The Yearling, Warren Newcomb. Very nice. Mm-hmm. I have Blythe Spirit, The Dark Mirror, It's a Wonderful Life, A Stolen Life, and Vacation from Marriage. I've never seen A Stolen Life. That's Betty Davis with an evil twin, right? Yeah. It's it's a wild one, right? I mean, it's, it's I know she. Yeah. I don't think she yeah. liked it herself, but I know it's it's pretty wild in terms of what the especially the effects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And cool. the Dark Mirror is uh, basically the same type of movie with Olivia Hatton yeah. and, and an evil twin. That one's really I, I that's a beautiful looking movie. I, I it's a weird one. Um, and Robert Syedmack, who made uh, the Spiral Staircase this year, as well as um, the, killers. the Killers, had he quite a year. year. I mean, yeah. 
and they're all really cool, tight little noirs or little thrillery horror movies. So I, I, you know, I would love to. His is a really cool filmography to check out if one hasn't really explored it. There's some really cool stuff in it. Yeah. So next we have best film editing. Yeah, for best film editing, I have um, the best years of our lives. Daniel Daniel Mendel. I know where I'm going. John Seaborn Senior. It's a Wonderful Life, William Hornbeck, The Killers, Arthur Hilton, and Notorious by Theron Worth. All great nominees. It's, I, I, I am, I may be like a more typical Oscar voter that my, a lot of my favorite movies do fall into that category. Now I do, I'm also pretty susceptible to the typical trappings of tension and rising action in terms of that. And a lot also in comedies, you know, how that's those are pretty typical Oscar tropes when it comes to those. Um, but yeah. this year, particularly uh, these these nominees, although certainly do like the killers and notorious fit that I think the others are just really cool feats of what they try to do in terms of how they really influence the storytelling and how they really influence the script. So the, it's a it's a worthy list. What about you? Uh, my nominees are the best years of our lives. Children of Paradise, Humoresque, It's a Wonderful Life, and Roma Open City. It's a great list. Where, what about Humoresque for you? Is it just is the flashback structure or the? Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's what sold it for me. It's, a, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great editing job in that. But cool. Yeah, and not to get too ahead of myself, but that was the only nomination I gave it. Yeah, I I have it in one I have it in one category. It, it was I think if I recall at the time it was kind of a big bomb. Um, it was like it I think it may have been, I think it was popular. I think I saw it on a box office. It was in the top ten, but it was not critically as loved. It's more of a popular melodrama than it was actually a big success of that year. Um, yeah, she really uh, Crawford really kind of parlayed that Oscar win in forty five that you guys talked about so wonderfully last time with a lot of with i mean a lot of these kind of her at the center big melodramas that she just got to sort of yeah. chew so mm-hmm. yeah so next we have best makeup best makeup and hair and i i always add hairstyling i know it didn't they didn't add it till 2012 uh. but um for best makeup and hairstyling henry the fifth uh tony sforzini and vivian walker notorious mel burns the razor's edge ben nye Vacation from Marriage, Marjorie Whittle, and Ziegfeld Follies, Jack Dawn, and Sidney Gilleroff. Very nice. Yeah, I, I, use, I, I uh, felt bad. Oh, I felt bad for your. I felt bad for your. Um, your guest last week that Ziegfeld Follies wasn't able to be in so many categories. Uh. They'll, be, they'll, they'll be happy. <laughs> they'll be happy. They're well represented in this one for sure. Uh, for yes, me, in, in yes, quite a few technical definitely. categories for sure. Definitely. Um. And I was just going to say that um, I just use makeup as a blanket uh, term mm-hmm. and it can also apply to hairstyling as well because yeah. we all know that's important. But Absolutely. anyways, my nominees are my nominees are Blythe Spirits, Henry V, Scarlet Street, To Each His Own, and Ziegfeld Follies. To Each His Own is a movie I really liked. I, I was surprised by that movie. I, was, I always had the impression it was kind of soppy and then I... I watched it recently. It was on Criterion with a bunch of those Olivia de Havilland movies were all on Criterion channel and I caught it and I was surprised how much more it is than just her performance and the makeup and the makeup and hair is particularly one of the big, one of the big features that really does work well. They do a really good job of subtly aging her without it looking too crazy. Yeah, they really do. Mm-hmm. So next we have best costume design. Yeah. Best costume design, a, a murderer's row of options this year. Um, I have Gilda by Jean Louise, Henry V designed by Roger K. First, Notorious by the immortal Edith Head, The Rager's Edge by the infamous Oleg Cassini, and Ziegfeld Follies by Helen Rose and Irene Sheriff. Ooh, what about Oleg Cassini is infamous? He was Jean Tierney's husband at the time. Um, so a lot of like, he, she basically had it in her contracts that he would only dress her, um, for so long, like for most of her pictures, a lot of her dresses specifically are done by him, even if there's another costume designer on the picture. And he eventually went on to be one of Jackie Kennedy's main 
designers, dressers for years. So most of her uh-huh. really, most of a lot of her really famous dresses were Ole Cassini designs. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's he's pretty cool, and it, it's one of those. And it's weird that he gets the credit. I think it's I, if a, a lot of the times in these old movies, the only credit is for the gowns. They don't even credit the full costume designer for all the other designs. Um, and so I think, I th- if I recall, on the on the Razor's Edge, it does say gowns by Ola Cassini. So to say if he did the menswear or not is really up for debate. But he definitely, Gene Tierney over the course of that movie's running time just really looks phenomenal. And they do a really good job of subtly aging through the progressive progressions of time that movie has. So... And that sounds like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So my nominees are Children of Paradise, Gilda, The Harvey Girls, Henry V, and Notorious. The ch- Children, Children, Children of Paradise is just a uh, is just a completely monumental piece of design all the way across the board. It's just I love it so much. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> so next we have Best Color Cinematography. Yeah, for Best Color Cinematography, I have Duel in the Sun, Lee Garmus, uh, Ray Ranahan, and Hal Rawson, Henry V by Robert Krasker, The Jolson Story, Joseph Walker, The Yearling, Arthur E. Arling, Charles Rocher, and Leonard Smith, and Ziegfeld Follies, George J. Wolseley, and Charles Rocher. I really like the Ziegfeld Follies mentioned. It's, it's a wild... I mean... I don't. I, again, not to not to throw your your previous guess under the bus. I don't know how much of a movie it is, but as just a as a technical set piece, everyone just like the the elements of design in that movie are just beautiful, and they're really unique from each other. Without, but also just cohesive enough that it feels really special. And the photography um, throughout that movie is just really. It's really special. Um, did, I was going to ask when go go ahead with your nominees, but I wanted to ask you because I had uh, go ahead. Oh, um, my nominees are Canyon Passage, Duel in the Sun, The Harvey Girls, Henry V, and The Yearling. Cool. Did you have trouble finding a lot of color? I I, I realized I was looking through, and certainly there oh, were. Um. Uh, I did. There were others that I considered. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, uh, I guess the Jolson story and um, Caesar and Cleopatra right. and Blythe Spirits. Mm-hmm. I could have also nominated the Harvey Girls. Right. I for I I have not seen Canyon Passage, and you and I were talking offline about that one, and I need to catch that. That's a that's a that's kind of an amazingly kind of weird little movie with between the director and that cast and what it's about. I'm just like. I need to I need to get on that one. That one that one kind of eluded me, but I need to need to get get, get in touch with that one pretty quickly. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really colorful western. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Tornares, the director, and it just looks beautiful. And I really like the song. Yeah, and and that was that was the one nomination song. I saw for it, and it was one of those like. I'll be frank. A couple of those song nominees, I saw, I did watch, but I didn't, I didn't investigate all of them clearly enough to see what if there was more sort of to look for in the movie. A lot of those song nominees in the thirties and forties just feel like one and done, or just in the music categories. They didn't have a lot of other things they were pushing. But like I said, I'll definitely check it out. That sounds, it sounds fun. Yeah. So next we have best black and white cinematography. Yeah, it's a murder, another just completely, there's, it's just a, you're spoiled for choice when it comes to black and white cinematography this year. I have the, at, like, absolute Hall of Famer, Greg Toland for The Best Years of Our Lives, Joseph McDonald for My Clark, my Darling Clementine, Ted Tatzloff, Notorious, Arthur C. Miller, The Razor's Edge, and Ubaldo Arata for Rome Open City. Nice there. I like the Rome Open City mention. Yeah, I love I love the sort of verite style of it. It doesn't it, it feels so different, especially with the way that the neorealists will be coming in. It feels still really special comparatively to a lot of what other foreign cinema. It just doesn't. It feels so much more handheld and impressionistic comparatively to a lot of the other ones that would have been coming out at the time. Yeah, definitely. So my nominees are the best years of our lives. It's a wonderful life. The Killers, 
my darling Clementine and Notorious. I, the, it's a Wonderful Life was a hard miss for me. I, I really, I, I, the, the way the, the black and the white play with the snow and the darkness in that movie is really, really beautiful and impressive. I, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. So next we have Best Sound Recording, which is basically sound mixing, what they called it at the time. Absolutely. Uh, for Best Sound Recording, I have It's a Wonderful Life, Clem Portman, Richard Van Hessen, and John Alberg. The Killers, Bernard B. Brown and William Hedgecock. My Darling Clementine, Eugene Grossman and Roger Heeman Sr. Notorious, Terry Kellum and John E. Tribby. And The Seventh Veil, George Burgess, L. Clark, and William Sanger. Nice. So, um, my nominees are The Best Years of Our Lives, Brief Encounter, Children of Paradise, It's a Wonderful Life, and My Darling Clementine. Oh! Sorry. Um, so my nominees are The Best Years of Our Lives, Brief Encounter, Children of Paradise, It's a Wonderful Life, and My Darling Clementine. It's funny, I didn't think about Brief Encounter, and, and you mentioned it, and I know we kind of talked about it offline, but also in this case, you mentioned it now. It it, it absolutely should be on this list, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm worse off for not having included it. The way the, the way the music comes in and the way the train is so present in that movie, that's a, that's a really cool, I'm glad you mentioned that one. That's really cool. Yeah, um, definitely all that. So um, next we have Best Original Song. For best original song, I have A Great Lady Has an Interview from the Ziegfeld Follies, music by Roger Edens, lyrics by Kay Thompson. In the Valley Where the Evening Sun Goes Down from the Harvey Girls, music by Harry Warren, lyrics by Johnny Mercer. Johnny Fedora and Alice Bluebonnet from Make Mine Music. I did not look up the credits. I forgot. I'm sorry. Um, on the Atchison, Topeka, and the Santa Fe, also from the Harvey Girls, music by Harry Warren, lyrics Johnny Mercer. And Put the Blame on Mame from Gilda, music and lyrics by Alan Roberts and Doris Fisher. Awesome. Good list of nominees. So uh, mine are Old Buttermilk, Old Buttermilk Sky from Canyon Passage, On the H.S. in Topeka and the Santa Fe from the Harvey Girls, Personality from Road to Utopia, Put the Blame on Mame from Gilda, and the title song from Chizone. It's a beautiful. That's a really beautiful song too. I was really, I, I was really pleasantly surprised by that one. It felt like an old Douglas Sirk um, song before Douglas Sirk came in, um, be- before Douglas Sirk did his imitation of life or the, you know, written on the wind. Those kind of those kind of ballads. It's pretty. Yeah. So next we have best original score. Yeah, for best original score, I have Hugo Friedhofer for the best years of our lives, William Walton for Henry V. Franz Waxman for Humoresque, Miklos Rosa for The Killers, and Roy Webb for Notorious. And my nominees are The Best Years of Our Lives, Henry V, It's a Wonderful Life, The Stranger, and To Each His Own. Some really beautiful choices. Yeah, so next we have Best Animated Short Film. Absolutely. Uh, for Best Animated Short Film, I have The Cat Concerto, William Hanna, and Jack Barbera, Hair Raising Hair by Chuck Jones, and Squatter's Rights by Jack Hanna. Very nice. So um, my nominees are The Cat Concerto, Hair Raising Hair, and John Henry and the Inky Pooh. That was the one I, I nearly put in. I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned it because it's it's the the animation on that is really, really beautiful. I I felt I was such a completist. I was like, I have to have like one Hanna Barbera, one Warner Brothers, and one Disney. I, I just felt like I, which is very, very capitalist of me that I felt the need to have the big studios. But it was just like I was like, oh, there's one. There's got to be a good Tom and Jerry or a good Hanna Barbera. There's got to be one good Looney Tunes, and then there's got to be one good Disney. And so I just kind of picked one of each. But yeah, there's plenty. I mean, there's plenty of good ones from. There's plenty of good ones. This is when they were they were churning them out. There's like there's at least seven or eight yeah. good Bugs Bunny cartoons from from '46. Yeah. So next we have best foreign film. Yeah, for best foreign film, I have Beauty and the Beast from France, Jacques Cousteau, 
Crisis from Sweden, Ingmar Bergman, and No Regrets for Our Youth from Japan, Akira Kurosawa. Nice. I've not seen the uh, Kurosawa one. I believe that was his debut as director. It's, yeah, it's one of his, or it's, I'm not sure if it's exactly the debut, but it's definitely one of his very early ones. Um, it is a very, uh, I would say it's a really, it's kind of a biopic, kind of, but it definitely has its, um, it's very specifically about really, about really, it's a really famous story about a, a basically a Japanese spy who basically turned Soviet spy. Um, and he um, basically was the only Japanese person to suffer the death penalty for treason during World War II. So it's it's kind of a, it's kind of heavy, but it really is. It's a really fun one that has a lot of. You can see a lot of his style that would eventually develop later in his later later in his career, even just a decade later with Rashomon and Seven Samurai and stuff. But you can see it really early in in this too. It's really beautiful. Yeah, it sounds great. Mm-hmm. So uh, my nominees are Beauty and the Beast from France, Shine from Italy, and Utamaro and his Five Women from Japan. Utamaro and his Five Women is the one that I didn't. And that's the one I haven't seen. Um, I, I know there was quite there was some beautiful there were some quite a few Japanese options from Forty Six. So I I would love I I keep especially with France annou- announcing Titan today for um to bring it current for a second announcing France France announcing Titan for their foreign film selection. I would love to know what the discussions would have been like in the forties if that would have been the the process they were going through because again. Um, Utamaro sounded fascinating. I just I didn't get a chance to see it. Yeah. So next we have best adapted screenplay. Best adapted screenplay. Um, the forties are still chock full of good. At this time, there were so many good adaptations. Um, Robert E. Sherwood, The Best Years of Our Lives. Brief Encounter, Noel Coward. Lawrence Olivier, Dallas Bauer, and Alan Dent for Henry V. Francis Goodrich. Albert Hackett and Frank Capra for It's a Wonderful Life and Anthony Villiers for The Killers. Very nice there. So um, my nominees are The Best Years of Our Lives, The Big Sleep, Brief Encounter, It's a Wonderful Life, and My Darling Clementine. My Darling Clementine is such a beautiful... I can it's I can imagine how beautiful that's... I would love to read that script in terms of what the structure is, because there's not a ton of dialogue, but I would love to see what that looks like, to see what Ford was shooting from. Um, it's a beautiful example of structure. And I mean, and mine are also... Mine are also damn talky. I would love to see what one that's a lot more sparse would look like, comparatively. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So next we have Best Original Screenplay. For best original screenplay, I have The Blue Dahlia by Raymond Chandler, I Know Where I'm Going, Powell and Pressburger, Notorious by Ben Hecht, Rome, Open City by Sergio um, Amide and Federico Fellini, Vacation for Marriage from Clements Dane and Anthony Pilsier. Those are all good choices. So my nominees are Children of Paradise, I Know Where I'm Going, Notorious, Rome Open City, and To Each His Own. Very good. I'll, I'll admit, I'll admit so, this to you now. I, I'll admit it to your, our readers. I did not include Children of Paradise in any category. I saw it once, uh, like in college, many years ago, and I have not had a chance to revisit it in a real way. So I felt like any opinion I would have would be like a 15 year old opinion that would not do me any good. So I was just like, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll abstain and, and have to give it a real revisit to be able to, when I have the three hours to watch it, I'll, I'll give it a real rewatch and see what it can do. Uh, understandable. So, um, next we have best supporting actress, best supporting actress. I have Ann Baxter for the razor's edge, Ava Gardner, the killers, Judy Garland, Ziegfeld follies, Gloria Graham, It's a Wonderful Life, and Veronica Lake, The Blue Dahlia. Nice. I like all those nominees. I've, I, I realize I love the femme fatale. There's a lot. I I, I had a list of like four. I, I kind of went ahead to go back through and, and re-mix it up as I realized I had like four femme fatales and somebody else. And it was just like I have to, I have to give myself a little bit more, <laughs> break it up a little bit. Yeah, understandable. Mm-hmm. So my nominees are Mirna Loy for The Best Years of Our Lives, Teresa Wright for The Best Years of Our Lives, Margaret Rutherford for Blythe for Spirit, 
Donna Reed for It's a Wonderful Life, and Anna Magnani for Rome Open City. Beautiful list. Um, Loy and Magnani, we will have to talk about in a little bit, because uh, category placement. Boo-boo. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, uh, they're definitely... Um, I, it's a phenomenal list, and I think Teresa Wright is and Donna Reed are both wildly underrated. And considering how bad the 46 supporting actress category is at the Oscars, I'm shocked none of the women from It's a Wonderful Life or Best Years of Our Lives could crack it. Like, it's just, it doesn't even make sense to me, considering how, like, tragically racist that category is. There's, like, yeah, <laughs> there's blackface, there's yellowface, there's redface, and then Ann Baxter and, um, and Baxter and Ethel Barrymore like it's just it, it's just it's just such a weird it's such a weird lineup I just don't know how you with and as we're clear you and I came up with like nine or ten really good options here that are most of them are not nominated how they how they arrived at that five is still kind of surprising to me but yeah it's weird. we have the hindsight though of uh, we have the hind, hindsight of over 70 years of yeah of, of yeah. knowing that stuff's not good <laughs> yeah so Next, we have Best Supporting Actor. Um, I have William Bendix for The Blue Dahlia, uh, Ludwig Donath for the, jo- the Jolson Story, Claude Rains for Notorious, Harold Russell, The Best Years of Our Lives, and Clifton Webb for The Razor's Edge. Nice. So my nominees are Harold Russell for The Best Years of Our Lives, William Bendix for The Blue Dahlia, Lionel Barrymore for It's a Wonderful Life, Cecil Kellaway for The Postman Always Rings Twice, and Claude Rains for Notorious. Cecil Kellaway is so good in that movie, and I'm glad you shouted him out, because as I, he's so much better than I think a lot. It, it's it's so not a normal performance that he gives in a lot of other movies. It's a lot. There's a lot more to it, so I'm, I'm glad you shouted that one out. That's a really good choice. Yeah. Interesting that you... Um... Uh, selected that other actor from the Jolson story instead of William Demarest. He's who did get William Demarest. William Demarest. I almost he's probably sixth or seventh for me. He's really good in it too. Um, Ludwig Donath is his da- is Jolson's dad, and th- it's one of the few moments in that movie that had any emotional resonance for me at all. Um, him being uh, a more a devout Jewish man and having very strong opinions about his faith and about how that relates to what Jolson does. It's it's and he sings beautifully in he has this beautiful Yiddish hymn that he sings in the middle of it that's really effective, and it's the one and it like I said in a movie that I I can appreciate for its technical aspects rather than actually really liking it much more than that I it's the one kind of moment I was like oh I can I actually see some real performance in this that was beyond just the imitation of what um, Parks is doing as Jolson it's it, it was really surprising for me too. Yeah. So next we have Best Actress. I comp- we're, I mean, another category. There's just like 12, 13 good options for me. Um, the five that I came up with, though, are Inger Bergman in Notorious, perfect, goddess, amazing. Rita Hayworth in Gilda, um, goddess, amazing. Celia Johnson in Brief Encounter, like the most amazing face you've ever seen in movies. Uh, Myrna Loy in The Best Years of Our Lives. And Anna Magnani, Rome Open City. Yeah. Nice. Um, you mentioned uh, Magnani yeah. and Loy. Um, yeah, for me, um, Loy, although, again, certainly it is more about the men and it is the women, certainly all of them sort of do take more of a backseat. I love the way that so much of what March particularly is doing is playing off of her. I love the, the tentative nature of her trying to sort of also have to integrate back into the family and figure out that with him it was it's just uh, and i think that she kind of just holds the center of that movie especially from the home the home front stuff so much and mignani similarly it just her the reality of what she's playing and the just complete vulnerability and clarity of that performance just completely kind of haunted my dreams for like a, a month after i saw that movie and i just uh, although certainly again more limited screen time and much more of an ensemble film i just I couldn't imagine not including her just 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 sheer for just sheer presence in that movie. I think she's just like it's one of the it's just it's just amazing screen acting and I just love it so much that I ha- I felt I felt I both of them I just felt the need to kind of bump them up to lead in that case. 
Yeah, um, certainly understandable and both deserving. <laughs> so, my nominees are Lauren Bacall in The Big Sleep, Celia Johnson in Brief Encounter, Wendy Hiller in I Know Where I'm Going, Ingrid Bergman in The Toys, and Lana Turner for The Postman Always Rings Twice. I'm so glad you shouted out both uh, Hiller and Turner, too, that I were I was really sad to have missed. Um, I'm, yeah, that they were really they were right outside for me. And um, Hiller, particularly, I just love I love that movie, but I love her in it. So I'm glad you shouted it out. It's a great performance. Yeah. So next we have Best Actor. Best Actor, um, again, what the it's a really great year for, for leading actor performances. And the five that I chose were Dana Andrews, the best years of our lives, Frederick March, the best years of our lives, Lawrence Olivier as Hal and Henry five, Edward G. Robinson in Scarlet street and Jimmy Stewart. in it's a wonderful life. Nice. So, um, my nominees are Dana Andrews for the best years of our lives, Trevor Howard in brief encounter, James Stewart in it's a wonderful life. Henry Fonda and My Darling Clementine and John Garfield in The Postman Always Rings Twice. I mean, phenomenal lineups, right? I mean, what? I mean, just staggering work. And and it's like, and this is one of those years, I understand that March 1, you could easily, I, I couldn't, I, I mean, I could easily have seen Jimmy Stewart winning or or even Henry or even Olivier. It's, it's an amazing year. Yeah, it is. And... Considering that the Academy uh, usually doesn't know what to do with the best actor category, right. and we don't always get the best lineups. Yeah. Considering the breadth of great performances this year. They did a lot better. They did a lot better in lead actor than any of the other three acting categories at the Oscars in terms of just what they nominated. I, I would agree with you completely. I'm glad you shouted out Howard. That movie's such a duet, and I'm so glad that he. Well, and same thing with Garfield. The t- the two of them in both those movies, Postman and Brief Encounter, are such duet movies that it's really how the two of them play with each other that is really how, why it sparkles and why it's so special. So, like I said, I, I it feels weird to not include them both, and obviously you included both of them in both in both categories. So I'm, I'm, you, you almost have to have the set. It, it, I'm like great choices. Yeah. So next we have best director. For best director, I have Frank Capra. It's a Wonderful Life. John Ford, My Darling Clementine. Alfred Hitchcock, Notorious. David Lean, Brief Encounter. And William Wyler, The Best Years of Our Lives. I really like this, like classic uh director lineup of all the greats doing some of their best work or nearly their I, best I, work. I i think in some of these cases it is their best work i think this is weiler's best movie i think this is capra's best movie i think it is one of my top two or three hitchcocks and it's one of my favorite two or three david lean so i mean and almost and ford he's so prolific that i think that would take a little bit longer for me to decide but clementine is certainly one of my absolute favorites of his too so i the fact that these all came out in the same year or in the case brief encounter really came out in 45 but was eligible at 46 the idea that these were all sort of playing in a theater that you could go to at the same time is just like it's just completely staggering to me that this is all a, it's it's, it's wild. completely wild to me. I, I I couldn't even I couldn't even imagine being that lucky to be able to see that that much. Yeah. So my nominees are William Wyler for the best years of our lives, David Lean for Rape Encounter, Marcel Karn for Children of Paradise, Frank Capra for It's a Wonderful Life, and Roberto Rossellini for Home Open City. And certainly the and certainly both Carne and um Rossellini right outside my five certainly I mean they would I bet I bet both of them were really close to nom, Oscar nominated too I know this was one of those three and five years um, they did not uh, the director of the Razor's Edge and the and and um, Olivier didn't get nominated for the Oscar but I bet I I, I bet both Children of Paradise and Rome Open City were very close in the Academy voting too just in terms of the director's branch was just as idiosyncratic then as they are now in terms of their choices so. I can imagine. Yeah. So next we have the big one, best motion yeah, and I rarely and I rarely ever do five for five, but mine are you'll this will sound very familiar to my director lined up. The best years of our lives, uh, produced by Samuel Golden. Brief encounter, Noel Coward producer. It's a wonderful life, Frank Capra producer. 
My Darling Clementine, Samuel G. Engel, producer. Notorious, Alfred Hitchcock, producer. Nice. So, um, my nominees are The Best Years of Our Lives, Brief Encounter, It's a Wonderful Life, Notorious, and Rome Open City. Four for five, sir. You and I nearly matching on that. What a great, I mean, it's it, it's a good year, and there's even more than even just these, and these five, of course, but like, I... You know, I, I think there's I think there's 20 pretty pristine, amazing movies that one should check out from this year that are like some of the best of the 40s. So I'm glad that I'm glad we not a, not a complete consensus, but I'm glad we were really centered on the, the, the ones that we really liked from this list. Yeah, definitely. And three of these movies are produced by RKO Radio Pictures. They had a banner here this year. Least. That's great. I didn't even notice that. Wow. Very cool. It's amazing, and it's like, and and it's it's weird even like nowadays to, to like outside of like uh, Miramax in two thousand two where they had I think three of the five nominees that year too. It's hard to imagine now in the year of the in the in the five plus era studios getting that many option that many hits on that many shots on goal. I think a, a, this year, you know, we'll we'll certainly see this year if that can happen with a couple studios. But it, it's it it's amazing to me that there's that many that can. That at the time, even at the, the 40s, there were so many movies being made that they still ended up with the same kind of the same studios were still the ones churning out the big the big popular hits. Absolutely. After these messages, we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Yeah. After these messages, we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. So it is now time to announce our yeah. winners. As usual, we start with the last category and start with the first, and we take turns, and the guest cool. goes first. Um, for best special effects, I did go with I Know Where I'm Going. Those storms are amazing. The, the the kind of lighting and camera effects are really special in that movie and really help make that build the romance of that story and really build the, the tension of what leads to the big romance at the end. So it, it was my choice. Nice. I went with Blind Spirit. Great choice. The this the the it just i mean it won the oscar it's a it's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal choice and really and lean shoots it beautifully and it's a really cool little movie it's a cool little movie that has some really cool stuff for 46 yeah so next we have best film editing i was really boring and i went with the best years of our lives um the idea of that much cross-cutting between so many different story threads and how beautifully within each scene the editing i think of homer's homecoming um back at the apartment is like a master class of editing the way it cuts to him holding his daughter Teresa wright's face to make to hold her mouth just so she doesn't holler to cutting so quickly to Myrna Loy realizing something's up and then back to the hallway. It's be- There's some beautiful internal editing scene to scene, let alone how it just, it, it really evolves that story. It's, it's, it's one of my favorite elements of that movie. Definitely. And I also go with nice. the best of the lives for many of the very, same very reasons. Cool. So next we have best yeah, makeup. Yeah, best makeup. I ultimately went with Ziegfeld Follies. Um, I I think the attention to star makeup and hair is really an underrated art, and there's some really cool, beautiful. I mean, just I mean, some. I mean, Lucille Ball has never looked more glorious in Technicolor. I think that she does in that movie in the opening, and um, just the way that they really take special care of the faces that of, of of the way they're lit but also just to make them look as beautiful as possible is really really an, a, a really cool effect in that movie yeah i went with blind cool. spirits just for how they made the ghosts, the ghosts are really cool and i'm glad you picked that yeah it's a it, 
I, I almost I almost think of it. I almost want to think of it from a um, a perspective uh the perspective of in this case some kind of, of of the special effects, but it really is. That's a lot of hair and makeup. That's really a huge part of that. You're right. So next we have best costume. Yeah, design. Yeah, best costume design. Um, again, amazing choices. All I I did ultimately go with Gilda because I really think that. The way Rita Hayworth is designed, um, the way the costumes designed for Hayworth both really tell that story and just completely typify how much she is so much the center of the movie. Um, the the way the dress, particularly from Put the Blame on Mame and the gloves, are so part of that movie. They they are the iconic costume for me. Yeah, and. I was considering Children of Paradise, but I ultimately went cool. with Gilda. Children, Children of Paradise Seriously. is not a bad, not a bad choice at all. Again, the design in that movie is just lovely. So I'm, you know, definitely a no, no slouch, no slouch in that category whatsoever. So next we have best color cinematography. Uh, for best color cinematography, I did go from the, I did end up going with the team and for Duel in the Sun. Um, I'm shocked it wasn't Oscar nominated. It is some really glorious Technicolor that really plays with sort of the painterly qualities of it. It's kind of a, it's still kind of a big tacky movie, but I really appreciate how good it looks. And they recently re-released it on Blu-ray and I would love to see what that looks like. Or eventually if they could, someone would re-release it on a big screen. I would really love to engage with it on the biggest screen possible. It's just beautiful. Yeah, definitely. So, I went with Henry V. I love that choice. It's really, it's a movie that I think I think a lot of Shakespeare movies, especially the early ones, don't get a lot of the credit they deserve for their technical qualities. And so, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you. That's a beautiful choice. So next we have best black and white cinematography. Um, the idea of not picking Notorious or Best Years of Our Lives is kind of is I, I it's it breaks my heart a little bit, but I did ultimately go with my darling Clementine. The use of silhouette and shadow in that movie plays so much into how the story is told. And frankly, it's just, it's just gorgeous. It's just, I, I watched it. It's one of the most recent rewatches I did to prepare for this. And just the, the attention to how those silhouettes influence the storytelling. And obviously the iconic shot of Henry, of Henry Fonda on the chair with the pipe lighting, illuminating his face is certainly a beautiful shot but it's just one part of a an incredibly lit um movie that tells that tells that story through the lighting and through the camera work yeah absolutely so oh who's you who's yours oh oh sorry 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 um my winner is um it's a wonderful life very cool beautiful choice Yeah. So next we have best art direction. For best art direction, I went with Henry V. Um, I really love the mix of the very stagey theatricality of that and how it opens up into a wider world. Um, it reminded me of Anna Karenna. Uh, uh, Joe writes Anna Karenna a lot in terms of playing both with both sides of that. And the matte paintings of the of the battle scenes are really beautiful. I was really impressed by the whole by the movie as a whole from a design point of view. Nice. So I went with well, Children of Paradise. <laughs> no slouch there either. My gosh. And that movie, I mean, that movie is production design. It's just, there's so much of it, but it doesn't, it's so detailed too. I love that. So next we have Best Sound Recording. For Best Sound Recording... I ultimately went with It's a Wonderful Life. Um, I think the the way that movie layers a lot of dialogue, music, as well as the snow and the way the ambient sound is really used to really beautiful effect in that movie, both in a dark way at the, in the end, but also kind of just in a joyous way. But that last scene when they all come running in with the money, I think is actually a huge feat of sound because you really pick up a lot of the different people that you've been interacting with and the score is really big, but it all kind of works together. And just, it, I think that's part of why it's so enveloping. It's just the way that it, the, the design of that sound. Absolutely. So I went with oh, the best years of our lives. It's gorgeous. 
So next we have best original song. best original song. I did go. I did go with put the blame on Mame. Um, I think there are plenty of other good songs this year, but the I, that is that it's it's one of the most iconic scenes in cinema, and the idea that it wasn't Oscar nominated is kind of ridiculous to me frankly i i can't even imagine why how you could even miss that but it's 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 the scene and it's one of the scenes in that movie and it's it's my choice ah that's a good choice and yes my winner is the title song from to each zone So next we have best original score. Yeah, for best original score, I had originally thought about Henry V, um, but I did ultimately go with the best years of our lives. I think that movie has a lot. I think that movie has a big task music-wise, from really really dramatic to kind of really just sort of sensible little um, little melodies and pieces. And I think that the way it really balances all that is really beautiful. And especially at the end, when Dana Andrews is kind of having his breakdown between the sound work, but also the way the score cuts, the way the score cuts out the it's really the, the lack of music that really makes that so interesting. So overall, I just, you notice it really well. And I think it's a, I think it's a really cool choice for me. Nice. I also went with the best cool. years of our lives. So next we have best animated short. Film. Yeah, best animated short film. Um, I really like the three that I picked, but I did go with Hair Raising Hair. Um, it's a really funny Bugs Bunny short, um, and I guarantee people have probably seen images from it. There's a big kind of red monster that's kind of chasing him quietly, and he is kind of we're supposed to be scared by him, and and he keeps kind of menacing Bugs, and it's just it's it's a really it's a funny little short. It has a lot of really cool design in it too, from an animation perspective. How about you? Nice. So my winner is the Cat Concerto. <laughs> it's a really good Tom and Jerry. It's really funny. Like I, I was, I, I, you know, at this point we're so I think desensitized to Tom and Jerry that sometimes I like I didn't even think that I could like be not moved by it, just have any reaction to it other than just sort of what it was. But it's really, it's it's really funny. I had a good time with it. Yeah. So next we have best foreign film. For best foreign film, I did go with Beauty and the Beast, France. Um, I think Cocteau's really kind of queer-coded, really beautiful design and storytelling of that is so audacious and ambitious for the time. It also just kind of just it just it's beautiful. I love it so much. Yeah. So I ultimately went with Shoeshine. That was another one that I forgot to mention at the top of the show. That's a really great movie. I love that movie, and I'm glad that you included it. It's I'm glad you picked it. That's a terrific film. Yeah, one of Vittorio De Sica's neorealist classics. And the way that, um, and frankly, the way that violence ends up really kind of playing into that movie is really kind of startling, too. And the first time you see it, it's really, there's some really stark moments that really threw me and it really kind of just it, it they struck me really hard the first time i saw it so like it's a it's a beautiful choice i'm really glad you picked it so next we have best adapted yeah screenplay. for best adapted screenplay um not to beat a dead horse i did go with the best years of our lives robert e sherwood uh the ambition and the breadth of that story and to tell this and the, the way this screenplay really tells the story of soldiers coming home from war and their effect on the home front and their families is just really, there's some really beautiful writing um, from a from a, a, a perspective of the dialogue, but also in this case of structure. So I'm, I'm really, it's just a really impressive feat for me. Yeah. So um, I went with It's a Wonderful Life. I love that. I love that script. I love the. I love the turns it takes. Yeah. So next we have best original screenplay. For best original screenplay, I did go with Notorious. Um, ben Hecht, the great, the great Ben Hecht. I do think often Hitchcock movies, because he's such a a stylist in so many ways. Um, the scripts get lost, but if that script isn't that tight and you didn't have that much going on between the romance and South America and the Nazis, it wouldn't all 
work together as well as it does if it isn't as incredibly written as it is. And I, I love it. It's just so beautiful. How about you? Absolutely. So I went with Rome Open City. Very cool. What about it? What about it stuck out for you the most? Uh, I just thought once it got to the second half, I was just so affected by its story and its overall presentation. That second half is that second half is something else, isn't it? I'm so that's that's a really good that's a really good point. It's that's a phenomenal. I, yeah, I love that so much. Yeah. So next we have Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, Best Supporting Actress. Um, I kind of was struck for a winner. I, I I did go with Ann Baxter for The Razor's Edge. I really love the way she falls into the sadness. And she really is kind of the... You see her the most tragically throughout the story of this group of friends or people that... This group of people that know each other so well. And watching her mood shift, her big centerpiece scene in Paris is particularly um, tough and she's really up for the challenge and really going for it in a gutsy way. And I, I really appreciated that so much. It's so she is the Oscar winner is my winner in this case. Very mm-hmm. nice. So I ultimately went with Mirna Roy for the best years of I our mean, lives. No complaint out of me. She is just, she's so underrated. I, I can't believe it took him like it took till 1990 to give her an honorary, let alone like just how good she is in so many things from the 30s and 40s. Like this is, I, I I've during pandemic I got through I got into a bit of a kick just watching a lot of her and Irene Dunn's movies from the from that time, and man, two two actresses that never got their due for both being just being in light comedies, but also just knowing the right thing for the right scene. They're just so talented so yeah I'm, I'm glad i'm glad lloyd gets your vote in this case 70 years later yes so next we have best supporting actor best supporting actor i really love my nominees but it was a pretty good year for supporting actor performances i i went with claude rains for notorious um i think it's a tragic performance I also, go ahead oh. sorry i also went with claude rains for awesome notorious. he again i I, I would I think honestly if I looked at the lineups I bet I give him three Oscars for Mr. Smith and Mr. Skeffington and this I he's just it's shocking to me that he never won um, obviously he you know very famously was nominated all those time all those four times and never did win but he's just terrific and let alone Casablanca I didn't even mention that but like he's he's this this one seems the most gives him a lot of range to play, and you see how conflicted he is. And that final scene is so centered on his face. I just I couldn't imagine not picking him. Yeah, it's really a brilliant performance. So next we have best actress. I'm sorry, Ingrid Bergman. I'm sorry very much, but I'm going with Celia Johnson um, in Brief Encounter. I, I think it is one of the greatest film performances I've ever seen. I, I think the so much of that film is centered on her face and watching her reactions and watching the actress think through how she's feeling and watching her fall in love and realize what that means. And it's just, it is, it is such a startling achievement. And I'm so glad the Oscars nominated it because she's not a big star. She never really had much of a big career after this, but I'm just so glad that Certainly, I, I can't imagine people. It's undeniable to me. I couldn't imagine voters not including her, or let alone voting for her. Yeah, um, and I also go with Celia Johnson for. Raven oh, great! Star. That's awesome. I mean, it's in my opinion one of the greatest performances ever put to film. I I couldn't I couldn't disagree I couldn't agree with you more I mean there's nothing there's nothing to complain about it's just it's so beautiful and it's that's it's one of those that's one of those oddly comfort watch movies for me I've seen it a lot um it's actually like a comfort hangover movie for me I've seen it so many times and so I I, I just if I'm in it I'm in an emotional place I sort of just give myself over to, to Celia and just let her just feel everything for me it, it's it's one of my favorites she's so good. Yeah. So next we have Best Actor. Uh, for Best Actor, I went with Jimmy Stewart. It's a Wonderful Life. 
the range that he plays in that movie is so amazing from the aw shucks kind of naive young stuff through how dark it gets at the end and sort of where he arrives at the end is just he is so just it it's it, there's so much of there's so much performance in it that i i think it it, it again it's undeniable to me he's so so the center of that movie and why it works so well and my winner is james stewart for his wonderful look life at you look at us that's great yeah so next we have best director for best director um again i'm very boring uh in that lineup of genius genius auteurs at the height of their power i did go with william wyler in the best years of our lives i think it is his best film i think that he so smartly balances the grand storytelling with the smaller character moments and he never forgets both and it just it it just play and it it's emotional it's funny it really just plays and i just i i'm so glad it, it is it is just one of the crowning achievements of of cinema it's one of the greatest american movies ever made how about you and i can't argue with that choice but mine is it's a wonderful life I love that this is Capper, the Capper movie he made when he sort of stopped doing stuff for the U.S. government and for the war. It's so influenced. It so seems. It, I, I like that both of these choices in a year that really seems so importantly influenced on like what happens when the big the big thing is over. Um, I think both movies play with that a lot and have about what 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 your identity is and what happens next. And I. And for someone who's so usually aw shucks and so kind of sweet, I, I really love this from Capra, and I, I, I'm so glad. I'm, I'm In a really good year of movie making, I'm glad that you and I are representing a lot, a wide range here with these choices. This is so glad. It's a beautiful choice. Yeah. And... Yeah, I'm glad we were able to, like, cover all of these films and have our top two be these two landmark movies. It's a... And... I would argue that the Academy did a considerably lesser job representing the best of yeah, and I and, and certainly, I'm not surprised it was a best year's sweep in many ways. It won seven. Like, I, that makes sense to me. But oh, the yeah. rest of it, like, there's just weird nominees yeah. all over the place, and they did. And and we were talking about this offline when we were preparing. Yeah, yeah, and, and we were when we were preparing for this. It was so. It's like such a sad. For whatever reason, this is one of those years where they limited like some categories to two and three nominations, and just missing so many other options. They just didn't seem to want to include. And I don't, I don't, I haven't read why. I think it was just to make to make it shorter or to have less voting. I don't know what the circumstances were around that, but. It, it's really a it's really a letdown because there's so many good movies that just don't you know that may have only gotten a cinematography or only gotten a production design nomination that just don't get represented. Yeah, it's it's weird why there were only like two nominees in like the art direction categories. Well, <laughs> and considering like in the 30s and in the early 40s, there's like 12 or 15. Yeah. What was even the mindset? I, I wish I knew. I, I should consult my inside Oscar real quick and look, but I, I don't know if it'll tell us. But um, certainly, it has. I, there was definitely there was definitely some kind of thought behind why they limited the categories that way. Uh, so, I guess we should answer our awesome. audience questions. So, from Luke Valley, what was going on in 1946 and racist masquerading? Al Jolson story, blackface, and yellowface and supporting actress. Why was this a moment? I was looking it up. The Jolson story was the third biggest movie of 1946. It was just a huge, giant hit. I'm not making excuses for it now. Blackface is reprehensible, but certainly at the time, it was just something that people did, and particularly something Jolson did. And the movie was a huge, huge hit. Um, I think the other ones in the other categories i think this is going to sound tacky i think it's two things one 
I think there's a degree of difficulty probably being thought of in terms of the acting. Like it's it's really a hard job for Gail Sondergaard to put on yellow face for Anna, the King of Siam, or Flora Robson, the great stage actress, to play that completely bananas character in Saratoga Trunk. Um, and in both cases, they're not even that good performances, in my opinion. Anyway, um, I also think that yeah, af- I also yeah, think after World not. War II, there's this weird. I don't know if you feel similar. It just feels like they want to be representative of larger stories with bigger themes and characters. And the only way they knew how to do that was through this like totally backward racist way. They didn't know how to be more progressive in a way that didn't involve. Yeah, them. <laughs> they couldn't just they couldn't just hire a black yeah. actress to play her. They had to hire Flora Robson, but they didn't think that was bad. Yeah. Yeah. So this is from Owen Daly. Is is forty six the worst year for showing that the Academy uh, so rarely nominated the bad girl and lead actress? Um, Olivia Rosalind and Wyman getting in over Hayworth, Turner, and Bergman. Well, I'm not going to disagree with that. I I mean that best I. I don't love the best actress lineup. I kind of love how nuts Jennifer Jones is and that's, she's the ultimate bad girl in that. So that, I don't know if that completely, I, I agree with, I agree with Owen's statement. It's not, I don't know if it completely holds water because Jones is so nuts, but yeah, there's, there's none of the femme fatales, none of the, none of the, none of these kind of noir women. I, I think they just, I don't think they just appreciate noir in general at, at this point. It's still kind of a lesser, art and these and i mean you know rosalind russell plays a nurse who wants to cure polio i think that's it's one of those it's rosalind russell great actress playing in this very long very boring movie about curing polio it just it although yeah you know not my favorite but i completely get the nomination like between just the two those two yeah it just seems like what they like um so much i i do but i do agree with um, owen's thought process that it does feel like it's missing it it's just not we, we said this earlier it's just not representative of what kind of year 46 was in film let alone and just in in the nominee yeah. within the individual categories it just doesn't yeah. it's just not what they did yeah um be kind rewind I actually did oh, a video on this year and olivia's win in particular and yeah that uh, yeah she goes into that thesis even more I bet so. She does. Well, and about why they rejected all the bad well, girls. Well, that is, I mean, you have to think about that. That's and, also outside of Celia Johnson. This is one of those lineups that is so seems so indicative of, and we see these lineups all the time. I think of like the 08 Best Actress lineup or the the 19 Best Actress lineup, where it's a starry field of people of actresses you like. You may not like the movie they're in though, but you like them, like. Rosalind Russell, this is her, what, yeah. this is what, two of her, second of her four, this is Jennifer Jones's fourth in a row, yeah. like, they, they do this off, the, they just, they like people, and so, and Ingrid Bergman didn't even get nominated after four in a row, it's just, it's amazing to me. Yeah. <coughs> Definitely. So, um, this is from Brian Lindsay kind of related why do you think the academy overlooks ingrid bergman and notorious for best i frankly i can't even imagine i don't know how you do that um she's so good in it but i i think it's i think it's the noir thing i think they kind of get sick of actresses and as much as she certainly as i said had been nominated four times in a row maybe they felt like other people were there um i also don't think that hitchcock at the time although certainly had had like rebecca and spellbound and other hits i don't know if he was viewed the same way or if notorious was viewed the same way at the time it was it was a hit but i just don't know if it was like lauded the same way for all the things that it's doing the way that this the way that we look at it now but that's just maybe that's just me i don't know yeah i would agree with that so um with all that said, thank you, Drew, for agreeing to appear on this podcast with me. Gabe, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'd love to. I'd love to do it again. It was, it was so much fun, and I, I I'm glad I, yeah. I, you gave me the list. I'm so glad I picked this year because it was a fun one to revisit uh, with some of my just favorite movies, and certainly got to see some new ones too. Um, that it, thank you. It's been a joy. It's been a real joy. Yeah, definitely. 
So, um, how can we find you? On yeah, I'm on Letterboxd at Big Tall Drew. Um, I'm also on Twitter on Big Tall Drew. I will be pretty frank with your listeners. It is not always a not, it's kind of a not safe for work account all the time. So enter at your own risk. I'm not saying I don't do, I do a lot of movie stuff. I do other stuff too. So that is certainly your choice, but, um, definitely all the same reviews I do on Twitter are also on Letterboxd. You can find me there too. Yeah. Very nice. So um, you can find me on Twitter at Gabe the Joker with two underscores. You can find me on Instagram at Gabe Warren with a single underscore. You can find me on Letterboxd at Mr. Hulo. Um, be sure to follow the Alternate Oscars page on Twitter at Alternate Oscars. And I also have a Patreon account for this uh, podcast. It'll be linked in the description. And be sure to rate and review this podcast for visibility's sake. Subscribe with whatever server you use. And until the next episode, sit back and relax, cheers and enjoy, and thank you for listening to the Alternate Oscars.